Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. I first started running about 15 years ago as a way to quit smoking. Back then, my running clothes were very Rocky Balboa. So sweatpants, sweatshirt. Anyone who goes hiking or trail running knows that it's a lot easier and a lot more fun when you're wearing the right gear. Jonji makes performance apparel that'll take you farther on your runs and hikes. They have this merino wool hoodie that I wore on multiple trail runs this weekend. It's soft, it's warm, and most importantly, it does not get stinky when you get stinky. Another reason to love Jonji is that they donate 2% of all sales towards clean water projects, raising nearly $1 million so far. Head to Jonji.com to find your new favorite trail wear, outdoors accessories, and essentials. And use the code OUTSIDE for 10% off at Jonji.com. That's J-A-N-J-I dot com with the code OUTSIDE for 10% off. When I was a little kid, my whole family, grandparents included, packed into a Dodge Caravan and went on a two-week road trip to Wyoming. We saw the rodeo in Cody, a grizzly bear in Yellowstone National Park, and an epic thunderstorm near Devil's Tower. On that trip, I fell in love with the West and the natural world. This might sound cheesy, but it kind of made me who I am today. Wyoming has it all. Breathtaking hikes, kid-friendly museums, two of the coolest national parks in the country. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. From New Hampshire Public Radio, this is Outside In, a show about the natural world and how we use it. Surprise! If you are paying very close attention, if you're paying too much attention to our production schedule, you might have noticed that we're here a week early. And there is a reason for that. Yes, we here at Outside In have got the fever for Pokemon Go. There are a couple of people in our office who are playing the game and really loving it, and we've been talking about it nonstop. And we've been seeing people getting outside, walking around, seeing their neighborhood, noticing local wildlife, all of that because of a free smartphone game. But if you hang out with people who were getting outside before Pokemon Go made it cool again, you'll hear a bit of backlash. And it goes something along the lines of this. Why do you need to have your nose buried in a smartphone game in order to be convinced to go take a walk? We thought that this was an interesting question, and so we're trying something a little different this week. Uh, My name is Gray Chinaweth, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Silvertech. And this morning I had uh, bananas and cereal and milk. Gray is a New Hampshire tech guy, and he's firmly pro-Pokemon. I'm Maura Adams. I am a Program Director at the Northern Forest Center, and I had some toasted peanut butter. Maura is a friend of mine and is an environmentalist generally and is a firm polka skeptic. We got these two into a studio along with senior producer Taylor Quimby and I, and we just started to have it out. What is it about this one silly game that's got people so worked up? 
Oh, the server crash? Sorry to interrupt. Can you no, guys okay. pop on your headphones for a minute? Just yep. so Maureen can <clears throat> check if she wants to. <laughs> I think I'm going to just start by by letting you each uh, tell me tell me sort of what you know about Pokemon Go and how you feel about it as a way for people to get outside. What I know about Pokemon Go is a little limited, I have to admit. I am very aware of the phenomenon and that apparently I mean, it's it has, only a week old, so I don't think old, anyone but, is really an expert yet. But there are more people on Pokemon if it continues at their eighth than Tinder and Twitter combined, apparently. Intense. So about how it relates to people getting outside, I mean, terrific. There's more ways for people to go walking and and outdoors and not be in front of a computer. But, like, I think if this is what our relationship with the outdoor world has come down to, like, now we can't go outside and walk and experience nature unless it's, like, with our phone playing a stupid game that shows us little creatures in the woods that don't exist, like, that's kind of sad. Do you feel sadness? <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel sadness. So I, the way that I found about Pokemon Go is uh, I was on vacation last week, so I was spending kind of a abnormally a lot of time on social media. And so I sat kind of pick up on the 6th, then the 7th, and then I started to see like a lot of people in my social feeds saying that they'd seen other people play it. So I was like, all right, I'm checking it out. So I downloaded it. And I was like immediately – I had the most powerful reaction to that, um, more, a more powerful reaction to that than I had since – uh, downloading Meerkat or Periscope on Twitter, just the sense that like, okay, this is like a real shift in the way that people are going to be doing things. And the way that I saw it being really powerful is it brings together a bunch of different forces that I think that are really happening in the world. So one of the forces is technology. And the other of the forces is the need to relate to people in the real world. We still want to be with people. We still want to engage with friends. We still want to do all this stuff, but but we're using technology more and more and more to mediate it in the same way that I, I would argue we've been using technology all along. It just now is a different type of technology. So, you know, first we use shoes to allow us to walk further in nature. And then we used flashlights to kind of like be able to see in the dark in nature. And then we'd use like, you know, telescopes to be able to see further in nature and I do think oh, telescopes predated flashlights, but okay, people are. I don't mean to. Yeah, <laughs> great, great point. You know, um, I, maybe torches, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll give, <laughs> yeah. will you give me torches. Yeah, okay, me torches. so torches before <laughs> telescopes. Um, and so I think it's just this continuum of the way that we use technology to mediate our relationships with the outside world. I was I got into a little bit of a Twitter battle on this yesterday, and the and the final retort from the person I was debating with was, "Stars exist and Pokemon do not." Right, and my response to that was, "Well." The constellations exist. If they do, then Pokemon exist. But they're just a construct that we've we've made. They're just a construct that we've made and applied to the natural world as a way to enjoy it. I, I, if you had to posit why kids look at the stars, well, they don't look at them because they're trying to figure out some kind of scientific thing. They're probably going to look up and say, oh, look, there's Orion or there's any other one of these other uh, constellations that give me give my surroundings meaning and make me interested in them. And if this is the next step in that where I'm going to go to a really amazing spot on a trail because that's going to be a, a party spot for Pokemon Go. It's called the Poke Stop. A Poke let's, Stop. Let's right? be accurate here. All right. I thank you very much for, for correcting my, uh, my language. But, like, you know, if you, if you get to that spot because of Pokemon Go, like, I, I think you got to be super careful about the normative judgments you draw about that. But it, uh, you have to admit, though, I mean, you're sort of filtering this from somebody with a tech background and probably a small element of appreciating sort of the business of it and like what a genius idea this was. Mm -hmm. But more, you're coming from this idea of 
trying to educate people to conserve the world that we do live in, you know, without any of the fantasy creatures, the real ones sometimes are in big trouble. And if we're paying attention to the wrong thing, there's a danger there. Is that what you're saying? That's part of what I'm saying. Certainly there's, if you're not grounded in the water and the plants and the sun that support our existence, you can have all the fun little Pokemons you want. You're just not going to have a, a world to experience them in. I was thinking about your, your comments on technology as a mediator between ourselves and nature. And I was thinking about things like the apps where it can identify bird song or it can identify plant based on the leaf. Like, that's cool. And even that, I'm a little skeptical. I'm like, shouldn't I have to pull out my botany book and, like, you know, <laughs> key this out? Like, then I'm a real, like, plant person. But, okay, modern conveniences of technology are sometimes pretty good. And, like, if it can tell me that that's a... Yellow-bellied sapsucker? Yellow-bellied sapsucker. I'm like, sweet, now I know that that's a yellow-bellied sapsucker, and next time I hear that, I'll know, and I don't have to use my app. So there's a way to use it that's educational about the actual natural world that does bring us closer. Pokemon just puts, like, a thingy out there that has no relevance to the place which we come from. My opposition to that point of view would be based on kind of like I, I think it's rooted in the way that we think about the, um, the national park system. And a lot of that debate was around whether or not, you know, are we bastardizing nature by making it accept- accessible? And some people would say no trails, no roads, uh, no tent sites, no flashlights, no tents. You know, get out there and be in nature. Mm-hmm. And my suggestion is that. I don't know if that's really realistic. And just because someone's a a pugilistic naturalist doesn't mean that that's the right thing to happen. I would say, you know, a lot of people think national parks are a great way to get people outside because they make nature accessible for people and they give it a people a pathway to enjoyment. You know, I think that there's a lot of great arguments to be made that Pokemon Go would be a pathway for enjoyment of the outside. So here's my question, though, is do you think that those people who, you know, this is the first time they got outside all week because of Pokemon Go, you know, when the fad passes, which I'm sure it will, uh, do you think that those people are actually going to continue to get outside because they've they've developed some sort of appreciation for being outside in these spaces? Well, the way I would say it is that the only reason that Pokemon Go is popular is because people want to go outside. Right? They're looking for something to help them on that journey. If they only wanted to stay inside, Pokemon Go would – augmented reality wouldn't be a thing. So, you know, I wouldn't argue that there's no upside to this. Like I'm all for more people getting outside and people getting together and relating. What I have a real problem with is you say people want to get outside and people are just looking for an excuse to get outside. And if that's the case, why do all of a sudden they need some company – to create some software that all of a sudden this is what they need to get outside, I think that's pretty sad. If there's such this human urge to get outside and experience the natural world and relate to others, why aren't they doing that already? And why are now, in, at this moment in society, you have to have an app to get you to do that? Well, and I think, and I think too, what Moore's expressing is that we can talk about how the national parks were a way that, to make wilderness more accessible. 
and that and that compare that to Pokemon Go, but but that sort of ignores the fact that we have this broader trend of people getting out less and less. You know, if you look at visitation rates to national parks, they are in fact going up, but it, but visitation per capita is going down. So what's actually mm. happening is it's the same people going over and over again. Mm. Anyone who you know, my wife's an environmental educator, for instance, and they will tell you like kids, it is harder and harder to get them outside because of usually technology. I mean, it's 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 a lot more fun to be inside. Um, when there are awesome games to play. And also, you know, our built spaces are actually getting more and more comfortable and, and outside is hot and buggy and all these other things that people just don't haven't haven't learned to to tolerate and or appreciate. Um, and so when you when you look at Pokemon Go by itself, I think, you know, I, I feel confident saying that it's something that I feels fairly benign, like it, it neither is something that I'm worried about or should be. But when you look at this broader context and this broader trend, you know, you've got all these people who are going outside. I've watched these videos of people, you know, going. <laughs> Falling over stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, there's, and, they, and their nose is in their smartphone screen. And, you know, I, I do think there's like slippery slope of, of our, you know, I don't want to say there's a right way and a wrong way to enjoy being outside. But I can tell you that, like, that like, if all you're doing is looking at your phone, what's it matter? How is that any different from being inside versus being outside? Right. You know what? You know what's really interesting to me about this, which is that augmented reality on your phone is probably the first step towards something that is actually a lot cooler. I mean, this was like where we had Google Glass. Yep. So, so I think one of the issues that people struggle with is the image of a person craned over their phone and looking at a small world. That's placed within this larger world, you know, this little screen the real world. in front of the big universe, right? And instead of having lenses that go over your eyes, it feels like people right now with augmented reality are kind of still just looking at their phones. And, and I was just going to say, I don't think that's quite true because there is something to me that's, that feels a little weird, too, about, about you know, if, say you go to the top of Mount Washington and there are all these people who just got off the Cog Railway and they're wearing um, Oculus Rift. The Oculus yeah. VR, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and it's because the view up there is not good enough and they need, like, a dragon to be flying over, too. And, and it's, just, it's sort of like, what's wrong with that? You know, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just being normative. I'm, I'm applying yeah. my norms to those people. But at the same time, there, there are so many problems that we that you know I as like an environmental journalist look at and it seems to me that that people don't care about them right and that's that's like what we we sort of like wring our hands about people don't care about these problems and if you and if you can't even get people to pay attention without some sort of dragon flying through it seems like it seems like they're they're missing the point yeah but, but well but I, I, so I think Mike I'm gonna, my response to that would be you're misconstruing technology for an outcome as opposed to a tool and if I were an enterprising environmental reporter, I'd be trying to figure out how I could use Pokemon Go to further my agenda of getting people to engage with, you know, if you go to a, an endangered habitat, how do I get Pokemon Go to make a Pokemon Go spot or whatever they're called, like a place for me to go and you know, like I get points when I go there? Yeah, and I, I disagree with like the whole fundamental premise, which is that I think if you look at the people who don't care about some of these important environmental issues, you're going to find that demographic is is much wider than gamers. I think not caring about big environmental problems isn't a gamer problem. That is a populist problem. Absolutely, and, but it's the populist who's doing Pokemon Go. Yeah, at this point, you could probably say it's pretty big. To care about. <laughs> if there's more people who use Twitter, you know. <laughs> right. Hi, I'm Lale Arakoglu, host of Women Who Travel. Each story from our guests and listeners is totally unique and utterly personal. 
We love hearing about your first impressions when visiting someplace new. My first trip to the Patagonia region was on the Argentine side. I couldn't believe the expansive territory. It's like being in Tibet. The emptiness and the harshness really, I found transformative. Or a story told when safely back on dry land. You know, things happened every single day. I ran out of gas on a jet ski in the middle of the ocean. And I was like, what if a sea creature comes to eat me? But then I'm delusional. I was like, I'll make friends with it and it won't eat me. And maybe I'll ride that back to shore. That's how it works. (laughs) Join me, Lale Arakoglu, every week for more adventures on women who travel, wherever you listen to your podcasts. The question is, like, where are we going as a culture, right? And I don't think that Pokemon Go is in of itself, you know, a harbinger of the end times. But but it's sort of like, it's like a step along the path. (laughs) 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 But it it does, I do wonder, right, if it's it's some sort of step along a path into a place where it's, it's just impossible to get people to go out and, and see the world as it is and, and, and appreciate that world. I think that's absolutely true. That is absolutely my concern. And it's a slippery slope. Like, I just recently started running, listening to podcasts, like Outside In. But I noticed that I pay much less attention to what's around me. I don't, like, hear birds. I don't feel things as much. I'm, like, in my head, thinking about what's on my device and what's in my ears. And I'm totally disconnected from the actual beauty and the actual space around me. And that is not good. That I don't think that's good for my my mind. I don't think it's good for my emotions. I don't think it's good for my connection to place. And if you don't feel connected to a place, you don't care about it in the long run. Well, I, that's that's where I have to like disagree on that. You know, it's um, when you're out there enjoying nature, you're already applying a million filters, right? So you're you know before you said I want to know if it's a you know uh, what was the bird you referenced? I forget. You wanted if it was yellow a, belly sapsucker, <laughs> yellow belly sapsucker, and like. I don't know. What does that even mean to be yellow belly sapsucker? That's a human construct that we're applying onto the freaking natural world for a beautiful little brown bird or whatever it is with a yellow belly. And that's – we're already doing that every single day, all day. We're applying our own human constructs to the outside world. And so to arbitrarily draw this line saying like, OK, well, my brain is doing it, so that's OK, but my phone is doing it, so that's not OK – I think that's pretty arbitrary. That is not arbitrary. You buy a phone. You buy a data plan. So a company made this thing. Nature yeah, but you read accessible. a book. You read a book that someone that some company published, and someone made money off of telling you that was a yellow belly sapsucker. So like, there's a company involved with it somewhere. Everywhere. This is based I, yeah, on. I don't know. I'm with you uh, on the, on this one, Gray. I mean, I just I sort of think the the headphone thing is an interesting point, but but my issue is that like, why? If you value one thing, can you not value another? So, for example, when I run, sometimes I listen to music, sometimes I don't. I pick and choose. And I think that you can enjoy nature and play a game in nature. You know, so many of these gamers, you say, would they be outdoors? Well, the other option is that they'd be inside playing video games. So seeing them should not be something that makes us feel worse about the state of gamers who weren't outside in the first place. It's just something that we visually see and we're like, oh, I don't value the same things that they do, and so it makes me think like, "Oh, this is a bummer." Do you know what I mean? Like, it sort of reminds you that these people wouldn't be outside enjoying themselves otherwise, and you well, wish and that they were I'm enjoying it the outside. way you want them to. 
Like you see them out there. Yeah, but like, they have to use the outdoors just the way that I do. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm no, pretty disapproving. No, it's okay if they like go paddling. I don't paddle, okay. but it's I like paddling. It's okay <laughs> if they paddle. Well, this is what I think. It's list. okay if they, yeah, a where's the list? And then where do we each personally draw our lines? Like it's okay. All right. So everyone society society decided that if you wore Google Glass, you were lame. <laughs> and society is currently deciding that we're unsure as if you hold your phone up and do some augmented reality stuff, are you still lame like you were with Google Glass or is that now kind of okay? And I would say, you know, it's the same thing for people that used to have their phones. I mean, it was really bad gauche to use your phone and now it's okay. Well, that's debatable. Like, just because it's normal doesn't mean it's good and doesn't right. mean it's okay. Well, and, and and I think that then you get into in a, a, a discussion about wh- whether technology is appropriately placed in our world, you know, and that's, you know, th- this is just bringing technology deeper into the outside world. I guess that's the way you'd say it. Yeah, that's the, the question of like, the world is changing. Is it worth wishing it wasn't? You know, our, our culture gets pushed by a lot of forces. And a lot of times the forces that are pushing culture are based on who can, you know, where the incentives lie, like who can make money off of yep. things. And and so like who's who's pushing us towards getting outside? Like it's pretty hard to make money off of getting outside. I mean, there's there's sort of the outdoor gear industry, one could say. Yep. You know, the National Park Service does buy advertising, but they're the National Park Service. Like they're yep. barely, barely covering their costs. Yep. So they're, they're not, they don't have, they're not a behemoth. So when people get have the opportunity to get rich – there's there's a lot more incentive for them to try to to try to push us towards something. Yeah, it's funny because Sam, you're you're talking about how like where are you going to get people to rally around the outdoors in the same way that a business can provide a product and do that same thing? And I hear that and I say exactly. You you can't just say listen, people, you should enjoy the outdoors more and care about it more Eat your because it's out there and it's important. Like I think that we can acknowledge that that is not as powerful as other forces in the world, like you say, Gray. And given that, I think, you know, we can shed a tear and we can be upset about it. But like as a strategy, it's bad. It's a terrible strategy to admit that this doesn't work and think that it's so important it should. All right. So so here's what I think. I think, Mora, you have to download Pokemon Go. You have to try it. <laughs> she's making a face that's suggesting she's Take not going to. Take it out of your job. Yeah. You're, already, you're already there with that. <laughs> <laughs> you'll you look at something. Fall over my feet. And then and then Gray, we're gonna go on a hike with with nothing but like sandals that we are strapped. No, on I want no shoes. Yeah, no shoes, <laughs> no lights, no tents. Okay, just us and constellations, which we don't know the names of. Right. Okay. And then and then we're just gonna call it a truce. Perfect. Do I not have an assignment? No. Just left you're out. just yeah. And you get to uh, take your kid out hiking and playing. Yeah. You go and you know what? Time. You have to take I a have side. Done both. This episode of Outside In was produced by me, Sam Evans-Brown, and Maureen McMurray, with help from Taylor Quimby, Logan Shannon, Jimmy Gutierrez, and Molly Donahue. And we want to know what you think about this question. Is Pokemon Go a great way to get people outside who might otherwise never leave the air conditioning? Or is this just another sign of our inexorable estrangement from the world around us? We've got a thread going about this on our Facebook page, and you can, of course, find us on Twitter. Just search for at OutsideInRadio on either of them. We'll be back next week with another more standard episode of Outside In. Stay tuned for that. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, and Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio.